Hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is our 351st episode of the podcast, where our mission is to help empower you to become financially free with real estate. Today, I'm going to look back and review an amazing 2022, and then also look forward to an even better 2023. I'm going to do some teaching because I can't help myself and share with you how I review the year and set goals for the next year. And I typically do that the last week of the year, and I spend quite a bit of time doing that. So I'm going to share with you the process I go through, and maybe you can benefit from that as well. I want to give a shout out for Dealmaker Bootcamp. It's coming up here in January, very end of January here in Tampa, Florida. Check it out, dealmakerbootcampevent.com. It's the only event that simulates a real deal. We go spend the two days basically going from start to finish. You're going to work in small groups on a real live deal that actually happened. And you're going to see exactly what happens from beginning to end of actually doing a deal. So that's Dealmaker Bootcamp at dealmakerbootcampevent.com. Check it out. We still have a few tickets left here. It's going to be a very small event, so it will likely sell out. I want to give a shout out to NKeys5, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. He says, this podcast is excellent. I'm always checking and updating my feed to see when Michael comes out with new episodes. He's very easy to listen to, and he truly cares about helping others. I appreciate that feedback as well. I want to do always do a first deal maker success highlight. We celebrate people who have done their first deal. Kareem Karala is the last one here on our list. He closed a 12-unit deal in South Bend, Indiana in August for $650,000. He was working with our, our mentoring program. His mentor was Kyle. Congratulations on that. If you are interested in mentoring, check out our mentoring programs at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's really one of a kind in the world because we essentially give you unlimited support and access to our team of syndication experts, and we guarantee results, meaning that if you don't get your first syndication done in the next six months, then we'll continue working with you until you do. It is epic awesome. The michaelblank.com mentor, forward slash mentors, where you can find out more about that. So let's get into the episode here. I think in general, what I'd like to say is that mindfulness matters. The more self-awareness you can raise about yourself and your environment, the better it will go for you. The better you will become as a person, the more fulfilled you will become, the better your relationships become, the better your spiritual development becomes, the better everything, really. And it's mindfulness and intentionality. I take the entire week off in the last of the year, and I don't just sit there and eat bonbons all day. I actually go through the, the year, and, and, and I'll show you exactly what I'm going through, what I, the, my process here. So in this episode, I want to reflect on this journey we have with both companies, Nighthawk Equity, which is our investing company, as well as the Michael Blanc Brands, which is an educational company, and celebrate some of our wins and begin looking ahead of to the year to come. So a lot to be grateful for, and I bet you do as well. And I think you'll really benefit from this exercise. So here's my process that you can use yourself, you can learn from. So I, I go kind of through a comprehensive process where I review the previous year and I do a financial review and then I do a goal review. Those are the two primary buckets, I guess. So in the financial review, I look at all of my passive income versus my earned income because I have both. I'm actually a W-2 employee in my own company. And I also have passive income from real estate, from the commercial buildings. And that comes in 
as you know, from cash flow distributions that come from profit from sale or profit from refinance sometimes, or they also come from acquisition fees as well. And so part of that, depending on what kind of income it is and what my involvement is on a particular asset, I count some of that as passive and some of it as earned income. So I would go through all the records and I, I look at all the businesses and I basically say, what, how much money did I make in those two categories? Number two, I look at my personal expenses and my taxes. Now, 2021, the taxes were super low and it's because of the tax benefits of real estate. Um, I'm also a real estate professional, which has some other requirements around that. And that allows me to offset a lot of the depreciation losses against my earned income as well. I then also look at the personal expenses and taxes. And as you know, with real estate, you get a lot of benefits from the depreciation of the real estate. And so my taxes are relatively low be because of that main benefit. And it's something you can benefit from as well. And then I look at all my personal expenses. How much did I actually pay? How much did I spend? And I do have a budget. I make sure I stay within that budget, or at least I try to. Now, in last year, I went over a little bit, which I need to monitor. I haven't, frankly, watched it quite as much as I have in previous years. So I need to get back on that. It's always good to send a budget and try to stick to it. Otherwise, you're kind of flying blind. So what are your personal expenses? Then number three is how much did I invest? Okay, so what did I, how much did I invest? What did I invest in? Number four, I calculate the net worth, right? And then number five is how much recourse debt I have against that net worth. Because recourse debt, even banks will look at and count recourse debt and deduct it many cases, not always, from your net worth. So right now I have no recourse debt. I did a little bit, a little while ago, because we did a deal that required recourse debt for a couple of years that has now been removed. So that's kind of that's kind of neat. Again, one of the things I love about apartment buildings is that you can get non-recourse debt, which is debt you don't personally guarantee. Awesome. The next metric I look at is liquidity. When you get into syndication, you have to maintain liquidity between you and your partners to qualify for those loans. So I have a minimum liquidity I need to, I need to have. What is that liquidity? You don't want it too low, but you don't want it too high either because then it sits around in cash. The second to last metric is financial freedom percentage number. In other words, what percent of your expenses are being covered by passive income? So that's a number you should you should monitor. If you if your entire income expenses are being covered by passive income, then that number is 100%. That's the goal. Once you get that goal, you want to try to get to 200%, 300%, etc. And the last financial metric that I look at is contribution. How much money did I donate? And my goal is 10% of all profits that I make across all companies and a number of hours that I've spent. So I volunteer hours because you can calculate your hourly rate based on the income you have and divided by the number of, of hours in the year, right? So it gives you an hourly rate, which is interesting. So if you volunteer whatever, you know, 100 hours per year, then it really adds up. So what is that contribution that you're doing? So those are the, the, the eight metrics we look at for financial review. Next, look at the goal review. And so there's really seven areas that I look at. I, I have goals for health, goals for spiritual development or contribution, lifestyle and adventure. In my case, uh, it typically tends to be travel. I love travel. My family loves travel. Number four is what are my goals around family and relationships? Number five, what are my goals around financial or investment or material? Six, what are my goals around environment or tribe? In other words, what do I want to do? What are my goals to change my environment, both where I'm living or the office I work in or the people around me? What do I want to change in my environment? And then lastly, what are my business goals? 
So I look at all those, how did I do against those goals? And I, I just kind of rate them. Hey, I got, I crushed this thing. I got half of it done. I got so, and I use that kind of to learn. Either I'm underachieving some way, or or maybe I, I didn't re- realize what my goal was, or maybe it was too big of a goal, or maybe it was no longer important in the year. How can I get better at setting goals and sticking to them? So this is obviously a pretty time-consuming process, but then what I do is I do the same thing for the upcoming year, which is also equally time intensive, but I can look at what I did in the previous year to help me set goals for the next year. So especially financial goals, how did I do this year? How did that feel? Can I do more? Can I do less? And I do the same thing for for the goal review. And so this is the process that I go through the last end end of the year. And I suggest that you do this every single year. And then, then what I do is I review these goals on a quarterly basis. In other words, when I'm done with the 2023 goals for each of those areas, I then set Q1 goals. Okay. So whatever, if you want to lose weight, you want to lose whatever 20 pounds in, in the year, well, you might want to maybe lose 10 pounds in Q1 and then kind of main, and then maybe just lose a small amount of weight in subsequent quarters. So what does that Q1 look like? And then this is what you print out and put in your desk. And you say, here are my goals for Q1 because I know if I achieve those goals, I will make material progress towards my annual goals. So hopefully that was, that was valuable. Now, what I did here in the, in the year in review is Obviously, we have two companies, the Michael Blanc Brands, which is the educational company, and then there's the Nighthawk Equity, which is the investment company. So let's do the Michael Blanc Brands first. Last year, we invested heavily in people. We hired a lot of people uh, as well as managers. Uh, I've never never really had real managers before. It was always me. Like you you create an org chart, right? And it was my bobblehead across all the major functions of the company. And I noticed this middle of not last year, but in 2021, where I was starting to burn out. I was working way too much and burning out. And it was time to really replace myself and many of those things. And so we brought on a lot of people. And now through the end of 2022, we really have an amazing team, which is quite a bit larger, but we can also do a lot more as well. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to reach more people. We always want to reach more people. And with that, we we kind of launched our or two things. One is we we started to advertise a lot more, actually spending money on advertising, which we've never done before. It's always been content. Uh, it's just it's been this podcast, YouTube channel, the book, et cetera. And people find us and go, hey, you're pretty cool. What do you got for me? And so they discover our mentoring programs or other online courses and things of that nature. But we want to reach more people. And so what we did is we we created a, a mini course or a masterclass called the Apartments 101. Apartments 101 Masterclass. And this is really the ultimate guide to getting started in apartment syndication, even if you've never heard of it before, or maybe you're even afraid of it. And it's really a great entryway. It's free. And it's a video course. Actually, I show you stuff in it, and it's very easy to understand. And so that's really cool that we have that. We actually made some changes to the way we offer our mentoring program. The mentoring program is probably the best in the world at, at the effectiveness. And we felt there's always ways that we can make things better. And one of the things we decided to do was to provide people essentially with unlimited access to our team of syndication experts. And there's a variety of, of different experts on the team. There's there's experts that, that are really good at underwriting, right? There's really experts that are really good at finding markets and things of that nature. Then there are people that we have that will hold you accountable. We call that a dealmaker guide. And it's almost like your personal concierge to guide you through the process and connect you with people. And then there's literally full-time syndicators. That's all they do. And they like to help people. So when you got a live deal, we connect you with an actual live syndicator to help you on that deal. So it's really, really cool. 
but we wanted to even improve the way that we did that. It was quite a bit of work to get that done, and we got that done as well. Also, in 2022, we started to invest in partnerships and affiliate partnerships that others promote us. And so that's going to start happening more and more in the new year as well. We rounded out our offering by launching what we call the Dealmaker Professional Program. And so historically, we've helped people do their first deal and quit their job. And that is really what we're really known for. But what happens after that is once you've done a deal or two or three and you raise $100,000 or $500,000, you enter the Dealmaker Professional part of the journey. And we have done workshops here and there, but we never put together a program to help you scale to a thousand units. And that's really what Dealmaker Professional is all about. There's some workshops in there that creates a, a written scaling plan from wherever you are right now to a thousand units. It gives you a deep dive into our secret marketing playbook called the Platform Builder that shows you how to scale your capital raising online. And then we have now a high-end mastermind called The Syndicate. And so that is really what we have for established, more established syndicators. We've helped over 30 people do their first deal this year, and we recognized them at Dealmaker Live in 22. And that was an awesome event, by the way. We had Damon John there, and it was he's he's not just a cool guy in business, but he was actually a really, really good speaker. And so it was just it was just an electrifying event to have that many people on stage. And we discovered that we don't really know who has done the first deals. Like we, we've impacted so many people and, and we're trying to do better at making sure we identify those people and recognize them as well. And of course, on the podcast, we had some great podcast guests. Jillian Hellman was on here, Dan Brees, snowboarder, Jerome Moldano, and countless others. And we love our favorite that achieve financial freedom with real estate syndication. So that's really been exciting as well. Looking back on Nighthawk Equity, our investing company, it was a busy year we had. Actually, surprisingly so, we actually bought a couple deals. Our target was three. Uh, we only bought two, which was obvious. It was, the last half of the year was was very difficult to, to buy something because of the way the debt markets were. The loan-to-values really collapsed from where they used to be, 75%, down to 65 or even lower. So we nevertheless bought two deals in the first half of the year, which was cool. We refinanced one of our deals, which is significant because a lot of these things are, you know, were purchased with floating rate debt, which made a lot of sense at the time. And they're all capped and everything's good. But some of these, these caps, they, they expire. And then the interest rate would start floating again. And we don't want to do that. So we were able to refinance one of our, one of our deals, which is cool. Not a great time to refinance, but this was a great deal. And, you know, we worked really hard at lender relationships and we really got under the circumstance, an amazing deal to refinance that one. Now, then we sold four deals. We sold four deals, three of, of which we bought a long time ago, like five, four or five years ago when, when we bought these things. And one that we bought very recently, two years ago, that was called The Monarch. And we purchased that right in the middle of COVID in 2020 for about $16 million. We sold it for $24.5 million in just a short period of time. And it just gives you, an, it shows you how much the value values ran up after COVID up until about March of 2020. Two, when prices really peaked and they, they're off about 15% right now. But this deal, we built so much value in there that it made a lot of sense for us and our investors to sell that. And that still leaves us with a portfolio, even if it was 140 units of that, it still leaves us with 1,600 units that we currently have, even, even after having sold all that. And so we're really excited about those results. And it was not easy. Last half of year was not easy. And I'm not saying this is going to be an easy one, but we have a lot more confidence now being able to, to navigate these unforeseen situations where interest rates have run up faster than any any time in history, and no one could have foretold the pace at which that happened. 
And so I'm really proud of the team to be able to navigate these things and to get this done for us and our investors as well. If you want to learn more about Nighthawk and join our investor club, go to nighthawkequity.com and just check us out and connect with us there. You can schedule a call. And if you do that, we can share with you some of our upcoming deals as well. Now, looking at the year ahead, 2023, okay, here's what we got here. And on the Michael Blanc brands, really, our vision is to empower humanity to become financially free so that we can make a difference together. That's really our, our mission. Our mission there specifically is to help a thousand people become financially free with real estate by the end of 2031. This is a big goal. Uh, I think we can hit it. And within three years, we want to be recognized as a leader in helping people become financially free with real estate. So when someone reads the purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and goes, mm, I want to be financially free with real estate, I want us to be the first people that they think of. That's kind of the, the vision there as well. So for the next year, for this year, 2023, I want to focus the company on really three things. Number one, first and foremost, is I want to become a lean, mean execution machine, meaning that we have the team in place and we have the systems in place. We have all the programs and events, everything we need. We just need to execute. We've had some issues executing last last year, and, and by golly, we are going to fix that in 2023, and I'm really excited about that because, again, we did not have the team or the systems and all the programs this year that we had last year. So it's a real focus on execution. Again, a little bit boring, I guess, but super exciting to me because an ability to execute at a very high level is exciting in itself. Number two, I want to become omnipresent. And back to that that vision, we, we want anyone who's read the, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, we want basically want to hand in the yellow book, which is our book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. And so I want to show up in places where people are not necessarily thinking of apartments, but they're thinking of real estate and are thinking of passive income. How can we show up in those places? How can we support their decision of real estate and financial freedom? And how can we then slightly pivot them away from what they're per currently thinking, which is single family house investing, and get them to consider apartments. Because the truth about apartments is you don't need to invest in single family houses first. You don't need real estate investing experience, and you don't need a bunch of money in the bank. And that's awesome. And we're starting to reach more and more people that skip the single family house investing stage, and they're just as successful as people who have invested for 10 years. Number three is I really want to focus on building a magnetic culture that attracts top talent. Now, we know from people that have come to us is they really respect what we do and they want to work for us because of the difference that we're making. And that's awesome. I just want to focus. I want to be more intentional about that and really focus on our team as well. So I, I really do believe that 2023 is going to be the most exciting year in our company's history because we're really poised to grow in new ways. And, and that means reaching more people and changing more lives for the better. Let's look at Nighthawk Equity and our investing. And, and just, here's our plans for the year, but also what my market outlook is for 2023. So it really serves dual purposes. So not only do we teach people how to buy apartment buildings through the Blank brands, but we also buy apartment buildings ourselves. Well, some people ask, well, why, why do you do that? Why not just buy apartments? Because frankly, buying apartments is, is far simpler and more lucrative than teaching it. It really is. And if, if you look at it objectively, I probably should stop teaching. It just it takes way more time, way more effort. The team is much more, it's, the whole thing is more complex, but I get a lot more fulfillment out of teaching you how to buy an apartment building and allowing you to quit your job than buying an apartment building. It just is what it is. But with the purpose exercise, we also buy apartment buildings. And so like you, we're spent some time looking into a crystal ball to help us make better decisions. Overall, we want to buy, again, three deals this year. And, and we're typically always buyers. 
but we're not always buying. Okay, if that makes sense. Like, for example, the last half of 2022, we didn't buy anything. We were buyers where we're looking, but we couldn't really find anything that made any sense. And we tried a lot of resourceful things. But I think we're going to have very interesting opportunity this year. Specifically, what's happening, we're starting to see some distressed assets. In fact, we just picked up one called Ballantine Apartments, which is an example of this kind of distressed asset, meaning that here's what's happening and I think the 2023 is really going to expose the good operators from the not-so-good operators, and that in turn will create opportunity for the good operators. But I mentioned earlier that there are floating rate debt, and for probably a period of three, two or three, maybe plus years, most syndicators use floating rate debt to get into deals. And floating rate debt has a, a variety of advantages. Number one, it allows you to finance the construction, okay? So that is more leverage means more returns. You can pay more. And number two, it allows a more flexible exit. So if I have a 10-year loan, for example, I have prepayment penalties that really, really prevent me from selling any time before five years. And then, and then you got to scratch your head in year six and seven, does it make sense to, to pay the prepayment penalties or not? And so these, even though these fixed rate products are great, they're not great on exit. And especially when we had such run-ups in market valuations that we had in the last two and a half years, man, it just doesn't make sense to hold for seven years, right? It made sense to sell. And so a lot of us use floating rate debt. And what we did then to protect the interest rates, we all knew interest rates were going up. We had no way for telling that they would go up so rapidly, so quickly. So the good operators bought interest rate caps, which capped the interest rates at typically 2% above, the, above where we bought it. So if we got a 3.75% interest, then the cap might be at 5.75. Okay, now for that, you pay a bunch of money. And again, the good operators said, huh, interest rates are going up. I think we're going to do it. Now, we did this as well. Some did, and again, some did not. But the other thing that's happening also is that these interest rates are expiring. And as these caps expire, the lender requires that you escrow money so you can afford the renewal of those caps. Okay, now, just to give you an order of magnitude, two years ago when we bought caps, it might be a $2,000 per month escrow payment to basically put into escrow accounts so when the cap comes up for renewal, you have the money to pay this. Very well understood. Everybody puts it in the underwriting. Okay, but what happened then last year, because of the rise, the rapid rise in interest rates, and with it, the volatility of the, of the interest rate market, those caps 10X'd. So instead of Instead of paying $50,000 for the same cap, that same cap was now $500,000. Instead of escrowing now $2,000 a month, you escrowed $20,000 a month. Now, what does that do your cash flow, right? It crushes it. And so what's happening is we were not able to even, I mean, we're, we were affected by some of these things. Everybody really is. Everyone who's honest is affected by these, these caps and these escrows. And so we could we were able to, to distribute less because we did not anticipate that they would go up that much. And so what, what the reason I'm telling you this is that the operators who who maybe are not doing as well with the operation don't have the cash flow to cover these, these rise in interest rate caps. They're going to suck wind with regards to cash flow. And, and, and in their case, they may not just not be able to distribute to investors. They may actually become cash flow negative because they can't pay the cap renewal rate. So that's the biggest problem. And that's what we're seeing right, right now. So this deal we got, we got right now is mismanaged and it's 70% occupied. Well, because of these interest rate caps, if there, if there was one, we're not sure yet, but if there was one, then the break-even is, is probably a lot higher. It might even be a 75% occupancy to make break-even, and they're below break-even. 
So we're going to see a lot of opportunity like that where operators who are not strong can't satisfy their cash demands on the property. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. And prices are off the March 2022. They're off the high. So the absolute high, I mean, the, the six to nine months leading up to March 2022, I mean, it just hockey sticked up, the, the prices. And then, of course, interest rates started coming out and inflation started coming out. And, and then, of course, prices have come down, depending on what more market is in 10% down, maybe even 20%. Okay. And so now the prices, they're still up year over year. Okay. It's not like, oh my gosh, prices are, are down. The sky is falling. No, it's prices are still up year over year and they continue going up year over year because of inflation and also because of demand. Let's talk about some of those demand drivers as well. There's nothing has changed with the demand for affordable housing. Okay. They're just, you can't build anymore because of the cost at which, at which it is to, to build a house or build an apartment building. You can only really build class A stuff. You just can't cover your cost otherwise. So you can't build affordable housing. And so in general, the population is growing in general, but regionally, especially in a warmer climates, Texas and, and Southeast, for example, people are moving in from other parts of the country and there's no more affordable housing. Well, he who pays more wins, right? So if you can pay more, you will get that apartment unit. If you can't pay more, you're going to get a slightly smaller or less desirable apartment unit, but also you're going to outpay the person who used to pay a certain amount of rent. So this is why I believe that even though rents have not increased as quickly, in some cases they've decreased, but only because they ran up by 25% in 12 months. You can't have that kind of ongoing rise in rents, but they may come down a little bit and sometimes they have, but they're still way, way up year over year, 15, 10, 15% easily due to inflation. There's nothing going to change around that for the reason I just mentioned. So the demand is going to continue staying strong for affordable housing and apartment buildings, class B, class C for sure. Interest rates. So about interest rates. Interest rates are going up in this year, in 2023, but at a much slower rate. Okay. I think their initial target last year was, oh, we're going to cap out at 4%. We're already there at 4%. And now they're saying, well, we're surely going to cap out at 5%, but it's going to take them all year to get that. And maybe they'll get there. The point, the biggest, again, that what I keep saying, it's not so much the height of the interest rates. Yes, that is a problem, but it's not nearly as bad as the rate at which interest rates ran up. And the reason this is important is increased the volatility in the debt markets, and that created uncertainty, and therefore the loan-to-value has collapsed. That's the biggest problem. It's not the interest rates. It's the collapse in the loan-to-value. My loan proceeds went way down. They went from 80% one day down to 50, 60% another day. And I can't buy an apartment building with that much. And that's why we're looking into things like preferred equity or, or other debt products that allow us to get higher up in the capital stack. And so... Yes, interest rates are going up, but the big push is gone. Therefore, I think that interest rates and loans are going to start normalizing. You're going to see the loan to values going up. In fact, we're already seeing it now. They're already going up. They're not at 55% where they were a year, year ago, probably in April, May, right? They're already starting to creep up as well. So I think that's going to what's going to happen. They're going to be slightly up, but the speed is going, is going way down. Therefore, lending will start resuming at a much more normal pace. People are asking about prices and cap rates. Is there, is there cap rate expansion? Okay, so I don't think there's cap rate expansion. And there's, there's cap rate expansion from last March, but only because there was such rapid cap rate compression, okay? And so cap rates went way down, prices shot up, and then it came back down. They normalized. Again, if you draw a line year over year, prices are still up. Cap rates are about the same year over year, right? And the reason really is because of the ongoing demand, and inflation is going to continue driving up rents. 
interest rates are now normalizing, okay? And so if it weren't for this rise in demand and inflation, then cap rates would have to go up. But as interest rates go, go up, that, that totally makes, makes sense to me. But, but, but because interest rates have been going up while rents are going, going up, there's no reason to believe that cap rates are, are really going anywhere. I don't think they're going to go down. I don't think they're going to go up. They're staying going to stay about the same as the market materializes. And again, medium term, they're going to prices are going to go up because because inflation is going to drive up rents in general. So I think you'll find 2023 to be a much more stable market than 2022. 2022 was it was a roller coaster ride. It ran. It was red hot the first quarter. I mean, red hot. You couldn't win a deal at all if you tried. Then all of a sudden, the bottom fell out and you couldn't get a loan anymore a week later. And so I don't think we're going to see that in 2023. I think there's going to be much more even keel. So that is my my review of the year, 2022, and then my forecast into 2023. With regards to apartments, you know, I encourage you to just stay extra conservative in your underwriting. You know, don't, don't be aggressive. Don't be too conservative because if you're too conservative, yeah, you're never going to make a mistake, but you're never going to get a deal done. But don't be too quick to jump the gun on deal, right? Be, just be overly mindful as you analyze deals. And, and the thing is, look at a lot of deals. Get deal flow. Because if you do that, you will start recognizing better deals from not so good deals. And then really look for opportunities. I think you're going to get, we're going to get collectively opportunities as these operators who are not very good operators are exposed because of these cap rate renewals are going to really, really squeeze them into negative cash flow territory. And so be on the lookout for, for those as well. 22 is officially a wrap. And I want to thank my co-host, Garrett Lynch, all of you listening to this podcast so loyally. And I'm also grateful for the team at Nighthawk Equity and the Michael Black Brands. Love you guys all. Thank you for everything that you're doing to help others become financially free with real estate. And we look forward to a really exciting 2023. And hopefully you'll join us for the ride. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.